Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tower Casuals, the Destiny podcast. I am one of your hosts, Corey Derrigan. Alongside me, as always, is the Tormentor Slaying, the Strand Grappling, the Death Star, the Witness's newest disciple, Josh Finney. Oof. Yeah, we got we got to see about that Tormentor Slayer. <laughs> yeah, we'll have an update for that for you next week. Also, you forgot your bucket helmet. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, I, I stole it from a Cabal janitor. Uh, man, Corey, we're we are at the time of this posting. We'll be four days away. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. Four days away. Reminder. I'm so excited. So to 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 nerd generalist and Andre's liking josh i have actually started messing around with a warlock because their strand stuff looks cool but we all know i'm just gonna go back to the titan and complain about my uh fist swords that you know my children are really into big hero 6 right now and kind of reminds me of wasabi from big hero 6 with these little you know arm swords that's fair that's fair that's all. Hi, Josh. Hi, Corey. We we have a packed show. We have a lot of questions. We have a lot to talk about. We have a trailer to discuss. We have a trailer to discuss. We have a trailer to discuss. We have a we have a Vanguard Ops post from yesterday. We have a very meaty twad, mainly because it's all about the artifact mods. Not gonna dwell on that or the trailer a whole lot because we're, we're gonna have the game in five days. Yeah, four or five days. Um, so we're gonna go over the mods real quickly when we get to it. Um, what I really want to talk about tonight is just a kind of an overview of the seasons in general, uh, this Mm -hmm. year, we like to do that at the end of the year. Um, and this is our last chance to do it. We will not get in their chance until after the raid. And I don't want to be backtracking into content. that's no longer available at that point. So let's just go ahead and jump right on into it. Corey, that trailer, (laughs) the trailer was wild. It was the yeah. only thing besides Baldur's Gate three worth watching the state of play for. Uh, I didn't even i i like I know you like Baldur's Gate. I don't i don't i can oh, care less about Baldur's Guys, Gate. Guys, i i will i will be unavailable, and it is unfortunate that Baldur's Gate three is basically coming out the exact same day that Wrath of the Machine will be dropping. If we go yeah. by previous seasons, so I may yeah. not be playing Destiny in September. <laughs> It's coming out August 31st. I may be unavailable the entire month. That's fine. We'll we'll figure it out. Well, Josh is going to be on hiatus doing Baldur's Gate and uh we'll just bring Nerd on to talk about Destiny. Nerd might be joining me honestly. Oh god. Okay. Oh well, man. Dude, listen, Baldur's Gate is going to consume so much of my time. But that's a dig deep in the Tower Casuals clan or Discord or something to <laughs> There's a there's two specific shots I want to talk about in this trailer real fast because I don't want to dwell too much on it. Most of it is pretty clearly from the opening cinematics. Yeah. From the opening mission. Yeah. Which they're keeping a lot of the stuff on Neptune shrouded in secrecy, and that makes me really excited. But yeah. the two shots I want to discuss are um, we see a shot of um, the witness walking through space, basically, like floating through space, and they're like, who the hell is that? And Mara's the one who said it looks like they're all in the helm, by the way. It looks like yeah. Zavala, Ikora. Mara, oh, they're in the helm. Definitely looking out the front window yeah. by the table, right? And uh, hey, hey, you know, it's it's fine, it's it's finally ready to go. Um and uh Mara's the one who points out that it's the witness. Yeah. And 
we see an image of it looks like pyramid ships in a circle around the traveler it's the it's the shot that it closes on and the silhouette of the witness standing in front of it it looks exactly like sagira's shell Mm -hmm. which made me scream Mm -hmm. i was like how dare you how dare you do this to me bungie i was not prepared for this yeah i did like i didn't see it at first and then i think paul tassie tweeted it out I was, like, I was I was screaming. Poor, our fr- our friend, poor Austin Campbell, had to hear me screaming about this, <laughs> and I don't think he has an idea of who Sagira is. No. But I was so excited between this and Baldur's Gate, it was the absolute worst time to be in a conference call with me. But we were on a Discord call, and I was just screaming about these things. Not I muted the state of play once they said the word Suicide Squad, just to rant for fifteen minutes about these two trailers. So oh. that's great. There's a shot of, it looks like, I can't deduce if it's the Traveler or if it's the Pyramids that are shooting a beam of light that looks like a fucking Death Star. No, it's the Traveler. So the Traveler basically turns into the Death Star, and if you freeze frame it and you see the beam hitting the Pyramid ship, you can see some uh, flowers and like vegetation forming on the side of the Pyramid very quickly. That Uh is very reminiscent of the Black Garden. So it goes Mm -hmm. back to the Winnower and the Gardener. Um fable from the from the lore uh very important go back and read some of those undying lore books by the way um so that's kind of wild to see it's a little blink and you miss it there's some more blink and you miss it of like uh planets of the soul system flying by um Mm -hmm. and then the other shot that really caught my eye is it's towards the beginning um during the space battle amanda holiday looks like she may be getting blown up yeah, a little worried about our, our pal. Which brings us to our first question tonight. Oh boy, first question. I'm putting these in here tonight because we simply have too many to get through. And of course, our first question has to come from the one, the only, our beloved Discord overlord and community manager, Nerd Generalist. Do we lose a supporting character in Lightfall? And if so, who? Amanda Holiday, your time is up. And I have evidence for why your time is up. Uh, yeah, I mean, this trailer clearly shows that she's like, she's gonna be she's in going some down. distress. She's gonna go through some shit. Yeah, it's it's not gonna be good for for AH here. For, you know, for a day um, or two. It looks like she's she's donezos here. We also have been getting told by Bungie for like a month and a half. Hey, go claim all your shit that's sitting at Amanda. By the way, go claim yeah. everything. If you don't claim it, it's gone. Don't yeah. don't let it disappear. Go get it. Yeah, like your Twitch drops and stuff. Better go. All your go Twitch drops. It. So it's like, if she's not it, who becomes the new Twitch? Is Hawthorne just going to be the Twitch drop vendor? Oh, if she dies? I mean, I mean, Hawthorne's not doing anything else. So. I mean, the Cryptarch also. I mean, the Cryptarch literally That's has true. everything now. So. <laughs> they're just going to give it the test again. Oh, God. They're going to pull a year one on us. I mean, maybe if they want to get people to go to Elververse to buy stuff, I mean, you might as well go to test. It's one less stop, you know? I mean,. It makes a business sense, I guess. Not that, you know, we want that, but it could happen. So So I I have to ask this question. I'm I'm looking at this while we're talking about this because I don't know if my if my hunch is correct in this that she dies. Maybe she just gets shot down or whatever. Maybe she's just not in the tower anymore. But mm-hmm. I saw people talking about in the Discord today saying that, well, Amanda's part of the season of Defiance cast. How big is this fucking cast? 
because we already know that Mara's in it from the promo artwork, right? She's literally in the key art. We've right. been told by people who have played the season, specifically over at Fanbyte, uh, that it features Mithrax, Devrim, and Petra. Right. And now uh, the people were saying, but Crow and Amanda are in it. So I, how many more people are going to be in this? I, mean, I guess it's... I mean, this is the last hurrah, though, right? I mean... Well, so it's in... So the evidence comes from the Vidoc, apparently, that you can see a shot of Crow with Amanda Holiday. So unless they pull a fast one on us and it's, like, leading into that opening cinematic, like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm very <laughs> curious to see what they do because her voice actress is the same one who does Keitel, I believe. Courtney Taylor. Yeah. So... so... Why would you kill her off, question mark? But I guess that would be a way to kill off a longtime character and it also being someone that, like, yeah, does but not her, affect the she, plot at all? She's so, like, she's so non-consequential, though, really, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like, that, like, that would be such a, oh, darn, the person that gives me my Twitch drops is gone. Hmm. You know, I mean, like, the last time she had any importance i mean in the lore like you know i mean kate and her and crow all have like history together but like yeah. that's not significant to the plot now at this point uh no it's not so i don't i don't i don't know and if it's the same voice actor that already plays someone else like who cares i guess i don't know it seems i feel like if you want it to mean something you got to kill off somebody that's bigger than her uh, I I do feel that we are uh, we are approaching the end of Ikora for for a serious answer. I mean, I think Amanda, just based off the trailer that we got today, yeah, um, and you know my joking evidence, but like in all in all seriousness, I do think that Ikora would be the character that would get, actually get the fan base upset. Yeah, um, it feels like we've kind of stalled out on what you can do with her as a character. Like we're we're getting to that point because. Yes, she, quote, leads the investigation in Witch Queen, but it's really Eris and Mara who direct us to the final solution, to the final answer. Yeah, um, but they just recast her, and I feel like if they were going to kill her off, they would have recast her for, like, a year or a season, I guess. I don't right? know. I Honestly, I, I just I genuinely, like, have no idea at this point. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I, so I some, don't Something know. else that we've seen is that Lance Reddick uh, supposedly like from some of the leaks that were floating around some of the fake paste bins and stuff. I have no idea if it's real or not, but I saw it tweeted enough times over the last couple months that apparently Lance Reddick got like really emotional doing some of the dialogue for this next season. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Zavala, I, I think if Zavala goes, it's in final shape. I think, so. yeah. I think, I think our favorite blue boy is safe. They just, here's the other thing. They just did upgrades to his vendor. I know. So he's he's safe, if only for that reason. Ikora, on the other hand, other than the new light stuff, doesn't have anything. You could honestly, you could replace her role in the tower with Crow. Just saying, just saying, for the new lights. Yeah. Um, I wonder, man. I'm I'm wondering how much longer the tower is going to be around. For honestly, like... dude, if <laughs> the greatest surprise to me would be if they brought us back in Lightfall and the tower was gone. Oh my gosh. That'd be so... I would be so relieved, Corey. I mean, it honestly seems like the helm is going to be where we're at, right? I mean, they've already sent it to space. Yeah. Now we're going to Neptune, right? I think it helps manage um, 
like player load times also by having a smaller area to go to with only your fire team right i think that probably helps the server load a little bit i don't know i'm armchair developing but irregardless let's let's swing back to this trailer let's swing back to this trailer do we have anything else any other thoughts we we've basically we've got the gist of it You're yeah i Neptune. mean we get i it. think it's i think the trailer was cool i like that they're all on the helm together i like yeah. i like seeing all the characters together it, well, it's it's like that scene that we saw in uh, in Witch Queen's campaign where it was like, oh shit, it's like our Avengers moment. Like everyone's in Zavala's yeah. office, and it was everyone that like mattered in the seasons. Yeah, that was a really cool little twist. Uh, we talked about scenes we love in the with the with the cast together. The one from uh, from season of the Seraph in Zavala's office, where even though Keitel and Mithrax don't talk, them still being there is an important enough scene. Yeah, like we we have a united front between humanity awoken the elixni and the cabal right now the cabal yeah. defectors i give give me a vex goblin controlled by asher Mir. <laughs> it's all we need now bungie come on that oh. would be cool that'd be cool if you could have companions at some point like that um I yeah think that'd be super cool mm. i i want i like having a companion especially I'm, if you play I'm still by out on it i'm still out on it I think I think especially if you play by yourself and maybe you deactivate them in raids and stuff, but like, I think it would be super cool to have a companion to run through the campaign with or something. I don't know. Also, I have one question about yes. this trailer before yes. we before we move on. That scene, and it's been in other trailers before too, but I kind of just it really hit me today. Osiris is looking upon Neomuna, right, and he turns mm -hmm. around. Are his eyes red? Or is that just his helmet? I think that's I think that's just his helmet. Because I'm I'm rewatching the trailer now, and like he turns so fast that I just can't tell. I gen I genuinely think like because if you if you do possession again with him, that's the most recycled ass story beat I can think of. Yeah, like he just spent a full year possessed. I get that we brought him back with uh, you know Nesquik, but still. <laughs> <laughs> like come on we we got we got to stop this bullshit of osiris it also like from other images and trailers that we've seen it really looks like he's a vendor on neomuna yeah so i really like the cloud striders by the way i think ronan looks awesome uh, i yeah dude uh who what was it um nerd generalist was like uh friendship with traveler ended uh friendship with ronan has begun yeah also i, I laughed heartily also, there's a scene in this trailer that we didn't address either of it's the OG Titan flying in on a ship, but then you just see the ghost separate into like seven or eight pieces. Oh my God. I can't believe. Yeah. So I, somebody was like, Oh my God, is our ghost getting Thanos? And I was like, honestly, like if they took away ghost for most of the campaign and we had to like do it with a Puka, that would be kind of dope. Cause like I do it. Every trailer I'm, seems to show a scene where our character gets the void light sucked out of them. Yeah. By a tormentor. I'm almost wondering if they make us do a, at least a handful of missions with only strand and stasis. I'm I'm wondering I'm starting to wonder if at the end of whatever all this happens to end, if the ghosts are just gonna go away, if the traveler's gonna explode and the light really doesn't exist in the way we know it anymore like what's the purpose of the ghost 
you know. Yeah, I'm I'm a little curious too to see what's going to happen. I, either way, this campaign clearly has some massive consequences. Their whole tagline has been "Our end begins," and remember, yeah. Lightfall was originally supposed to be the final installment, right? And then they split it in two because it was just too much story. So yeah, so we'll see what happens here. See uh, see how badly we get our asses beat this time. My biggest question is if these seasons, if 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 the final shape campaign is the final story element or if there's four seasons after that, that i mean there, there's going to be seasons after it's a, well i, I, I know is, that is it going to be four seasons or is it going to be two expansion passes yeah oh, um uh, oh yeah you ready for curse of osiris 2 electric boogaloo no <laughs> but Corey, we have a lot of other things we have to talk about i know tonight. this we have cool. uh we got a vanguard ops post yeah. uh yesterday well really it's not just about vanguard ops it's about uh, uh some updates to some rewards and bringing the challenge back to destiny is what it's called mm-hmm. um i'm not going to read a lot of this there there is a lot here we're, we're going to talk about uh some some basic changes here um some you know more intricate stuff y'all can come and read them if you want to read bullet points um just for the sake of time but uh currently in the game we use an acute burn in Nightfalls and other high-difficulty activities, this is a specific element buff, debuff that adds plus 25% damage from your Guardian and plus 50% damage to your Guardian. Trust me, I am intimately aware because of all the Vex lasers that have killed me in Warden of Nothing this week. Vex lasers, everybody. Vex lasers. Those count, those count as solar, apparently. That's a lot of fun. Uh, in Season 20, Acute Burn is being replaced with Surge, Threat, and Overcharge. Surge is two different elements, either of which gives you plus 25% damage, and if you are using a Surging subclass, plus 25% Kinetic. That's going to be really fun. It's more incentive to line up your subclasses. Threat, plus 25% damage to your Guardian from a specific element. That's 25 less than now. Thank you. And Overcharge, one or two weapon types per activity, as well as any selectable anti-champion and other perks, also make those weapons overcharged. An overcharged weapon can ignore the Surge element and still get the plus 25% damage bonus. So prior to Season 20, if you wanted that plus 25% bonus, your only option was to match the damage type defined by the Strike. And given that match game was present in Legend and above, we were often requiring element flexibility to deal with shields. In Season 20, you can match one of two damage types or pick from a wide variety of specific weapons based on artifact perks. Additionally, if your subclass is surging, any kinetic weapons automatically get the 25% bonus no matter what type it is. And without match game, you are free to be much more flexible with the elements of your weapons, even running monocolor builds to maximize damage bonuses. Thank you, God. Match right. game is legitimately the worst. It, it's, it was so telling that the entire community was making memes about it. Right. When it was the end. Uh, I think my favorite one was the uh, the Grant Gustin meme, where he's, uh, he's posing over Oliver Queen's grave. Yeah. Those and uh, it funny. was showing like match game on it. Yeah, that's great. It's great. Uh, strikes have scoring again. Yeah, <laughs> strikes. The high scores strike back. So first off, we have strike refreshes. Right, arms dealer and lake of shadows are getting totally revamped with new enemies, new encounters, new mechanics, and new objectives. Expect them to be much tougher than before and less sparrow friendly. I don't know how I feel about that, but. Uh, mm. Arms dealer and sticker. I don't know how I feel about that. We are working on other strikes such as Exodus Crash and Inverted Spire, and their presence has been dramatically reduced, and it will be not be part of the Nightfall rotation that brought the parody. The Vanguard Ops playlist you already know about. Battlegrounds coming over. Here's the here's a big change though. 
the playlist is now power disabled, like Gambit and Crucible. This means you won't have a damage advantage over enemies or them upon you, no matter your power level. I like it. I like it. That is, I think, much more encouraging for people who have stepped out of the game or who are, like, intimidated by power levels to just come in. Mm -hmm. This is clearly setting the scene for the game to be unpower level capped by yeah. Final Shape. Yeah, this is. This the, was kind of the final the piece of, of the. This, this and Trials, I feel, were kind of the final pieces of that puzzle. And them making yeah. Grandmasters more accessible as long as you're at the soft cap. Yeah. Um, yeah. There will be. Oh, go go ahead. Sorry, I didn't. Oh, I was, I was going to say, I think power levels are starting to get ridiculous, especially with like Master working and the artifacts and just different mods now. It's just like. I, I would agree. It feels a, a it feels a little silly, especially with all the changes that are coming for us to still be using such an antiquated system. Yeah, it, it feels like it feels like the the player level and before they took that out, right? Where it's just like this yeah, yeah. this gatekeeping kind of obsolete way. Yeah, of... I remember trying to get to level thirty in vanilla. <laughs> don't don't just don't. <laughs> uh, daily rotators and weekly singes have been removed and replaced with one weekly singe, one day random daily threat. One daily random modifier from our best of collection, including subtle foes, lightning crystals, and more. So we'll see how that goes. Vanguard Ops scoring. We are adding scoring to Vanguard Ops playlist. You'll earn points for killing enemies and other events, precision kills, picking up orbs, reviving teammates, etc. With a multiplier based on the specific strike. The higher your score, the larger your rank multiplier will be. The multiplier, uh, one-time multiplier on Vanguard rank earn for getting below 30,000 points. Multiplier increases every 5,000 points after the initial 30,000. The largest available is seven times. This applies to all Vanguard modes, including Nightfalls. Vanguard challenges are being adjusted to reflect these changes. Ooh. Complete Vanguard activities with a surging subclass for the weekly challenge. We have seasonal surges for Nightfalls or Vanguard Ops weekly surge. Complete five activities. You get increased progress for harder difficulties. A single Grandmaster Nightfall will complete this challenge. I think that's fair. That's fair. They want you to spend a little bit more time in these in in these essential ones. I don't think mm -hmm. asking you to do five activities is the end of the world. Right. Nightfalls are dark and full of terrors. I love a good Game of Thrones reference. Mm. Uh, we already know Battlegrounds are going to become the Nightfall playlist. Um, Nightfalls, though. Two surges available. Threats dependent on the featured Nightfall. One featured overcharge weapon. Combatants are harder to stagger and have more health. The power levels for Season 20 for Hero will be 1770, Legend 1830, Master and Grandmaster 1840. Ooh. The power disadvantages. There are power disadvantages on every level now. Hero is minus 5, Legend minus 15, Master minus 20, and Grandmaster minus 25. Maximum effectiveness targets for each of these. Hero 1765, Legend 1815, Grandmaster 1815, and Master 1820. The Nightfall Weekly Challenge now requires you to attain 200,000 points across multiple Nightfall runs, rather than the 100,000 points in a single run. Thank fucking God. I cannot tell you how many of these, even on Legend, were slightly ridiculous trying to hit that 100k. Right. It, it's, it just it got completely silly. Master Raids and Dungeons are also getting the Power Delta adjustment. One overcharged weapon, two surges, no threat modifier. Combatants do not have increased health or increased stagger resistance. They want to bring these in line with other master experiences without the need to build craft towards surges or overcharges. 
Um, da, 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 da. We all in master raids. We've also tuned enemy health pools so you can if you completely ignore elemental build crafting, you'll experience day one raid light combat difficulty. After that, you can choose elemental or overcharge bonuses to make it easier. Additionally, the threat modifier is turned off in raids and dungeons, so enemies won't be doing more damage than on day one. That's fucking wild. But again, these are these are changes that the community has wanted. Just give us permanent contest mode now. Right. <laughs> here's my favorite. No activity left behind. Can you guess which activity got left behind here, Corey? Gambit. Fucking Gambit. <laughs> I don't know why we expected it in a Vanguard post, but here we are. Well, you know, it's so, uh, sort of. He hangs out in the tower. Lost sectors are lost sectors are definitely getting an over an overhaul. Um Combatants will be harder to stagger and have more health on Lost Sectors now. For the, uh... For Lost Sectors. <laughs> About Available in Legend and Master difficulties, Lost Sectors feature plus 20 combat delta rather than minus 15 or minus 20. Yay. We will be monitoring completion rates and times during Season 20 to see if exotic Ingram drop rates need to be adjusted. Spoiler alert, they do. There will be additional paths to acquiring yes. Lightfall exotic armor that you can discover on the 28th of February. Can I get the stuff I've been trying to get for a year first? Nope. Can, uh, can I just log just in and have Gear Falcons? Can I, can I have Gear Falcons just waiting for me? Please. I mean, they did They did give us Caress of the Falling Star at the beginning of... The, of uh, that was still Wonder. like a year and a half later. I know, but... They did give it there to There need us. to be paths to get these. Like, there are legitimately <laughs> things that came out in Chosen, like Falling Star, that you still can only get through Legend Lost Sectors. And let me tell you something. When you do, like, 20 or 30 of these suckers without getting the thing you're trying to get dropped, it's yeah. really aggravating. Like, oh, I there know. needs to be a... Let, let me use my spoils or something at the end. I don't know. Yeah. There, there needs to be something to get a guarantee. What if there's a what if there's a lost sector currency that you could get if oh you God, run lost I'd, sectors? I'd fucking scream! I don't want any more currencies in this game. Just no, up but the up the spoils of conquest, up well, the spoils you, of conquest, and just let me use them here. Problem solved. Okay, I, I, I'm ju I'm just saying, like, make it to where I only get three per. Legend completion, or you can only earn a certain amount from Lost Sectors in, in a week or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, put some sort of cap on it so it doesn't, like, make everything artificial. But there's gotta, there's gotta be something. Yeah. There's I, gotta be I something. Agree. Like, if you run three, in a, if you run three Legend Lost Sectors in a day, you're guaranteed uh, an exotic Ingram that has that particular thing in it. So, like, if it's chest day, you're guaranteed an exotic chest Ingram. I don't yeah. know. There, there's got there's got to be a better way for this. Like, there's no excuse for exotics that came into the game two years ago to not be sold through Zer or to be in the loot pool anymore. There's zero excuse. Yeah. Anything that came out in the era of Beyond Light should be accessible now. Yeah. No, I agree. So that's that. That's my that's my spiel and my rant. Like, Lost Sectors desperately need some love, and th this is going to help a little bit. But they're gonna they're gonna need some more love. Uh, they're upping the difficulties on Nightmare, Empire Hunts, and Campaign Weekly Missions. I think it's hilarious. Minus 5, minus 15, and minus 20 power levels, respectively, for Hero, Legend, and Master. Uh, again, Overcharged, Weekly Surges, etc. Dares of Eternity and Wellspring are getting this also. Two terrible activities are also getting hit with this. 
Nice. Two rotating overcharge weapons, weekly rotating surge, one threat. Combatants are harder to stagger and have more health. Uh, and so, okay, so this is this is in Legend and Master difficulty in Dares and uh, Wellspring, respectfully. Extinguish has been turned on for Master Wellspring, by the way. Hmm. Good luck with that one. Yeah. I think it was already a thing, though, because I'm pretty sure when I did my Master Wellspring runs for my gumshoe seal, I'm pretty sure we wiped and went back to orbit. Yeah. I'm pretty certain it's already been there. Uh, and teams can now wipe on a time limit if an objective has failed. Uh, mm. Seasonal Battlegrounds going to be the same thing it was this season. Uh, it will be the same weekly surge as the Vanguard Ops playlist. Rotating threats, no overcharged weapons. Combatants have reduced health scaling and regular stagger resistance. Whew. We're almost done with this post. Now we got to talk about rewards because there, there's just not a whole lot of things. Rewards. Funny thing happens when you work six months ahead and also need to write blog posts. Sometimes you miss some of the elements to help a player understanding rewards is one of these. We did a balance pass on Nightfall and Lost Sector rewards. Starting with Lightfall, the new material reward structure looks like this. Hero Nightfall. One enhancement prism and a medium chance at one more. Two enhancement cores and a medium chance of one more. Legend Nightfalls. Small chance of one Ascendant Shard. Two enhancement prisms and a medium chance of up to two more. Master Nightfalls, one Ascendant Shard and a small chance of one more. Two Enhancement Prisms and a medium chance of up to two more. And Grandmaster Nightfalls, one Ascendant Shard and a high chance of one more. Four Enhancement Prisms and a medium chance of up to two more. They're going to get really generous with these things. I'm going to need them to start letting me carry more than 10 and 50, respectfully. Yeah. If you're going to be this generous with them. And then Lost Sectors have also gotten a similar pass. Um Two enhancement cores, medium chance of one more, and one enhancement prism and a small chance of one more for legend lost sectors. And then master is two cores, chance at one more, and one prism and a chance at one more. Fine by me. Whatever. Nothing about exotic armor. I need you guys to up the exotic armor drops. That's the problem. Nobody's playing this thing. Oh, I'm not getting enough cores. No. Where is my exotic armor at? It's unbelievable. This is absolutely unbelievable. Um, I, I don't think there's really much else to say in terms of difficulty. I, I It's so, all pretty self-explanatory. If you're confused by the wording, I know it's a lot of reciting off the same thing. Go go read the blog post. This is one of the ones where I really encourage you. Just go read it. If you're having trouble understanding this, it took me a pass or two to be like, well, what the hell? But I don't think it's actually that different from what we have now. It's a lot of words to say not much is changing in terms yeah. of difficulty. We yeah. bumped the difficulty up a little bit, and we changed the way you're going to interact with a couple of weapons on harder difficulties. The end. Yeah. I do have to say, though, Josh, the other day, speaking of exotic armor, yes, I got the most worthless Helm of Saint 14 I've ever received. Not that I need one, but like... Oh, yeah? So, it was a natural roll 69 Helm of Saint 14. I mean... I would keep that just for, you know, meme well, purposes. Well, I, I kept it, but it had, <laughs> had 30 in mobility. Oh, yeah. For a Titan, that is pretty useless. And um, what was the other? Uh, I think, it, oh, it was a, it was grenades. It had like, ni- er, like 19 or something. But it was Jesus. like, but I was like, if this was strength and and recovery i would have kept it in a heartbeat but like now it's just sitting in my vault that's that's fair that's like a dream stat role for a hunter though i feel yeah 
but Helmet State 14 that's used in a bubble in your stationary, what the hell do you need 30 mobility for? <laughs> you, know? you know, that is a good question. <sighs> you know what else is good, Corey? What's good, Josh? <laughs> Tell me. Tell me things. Some of these uh some of these some of these crucible changes that we're getting next season in the TWAB. Ooh. Tell me about the crucible changes, Josh. Tell Ooh, me yeah, more. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to talk about these crucible changes. Like, uh, does so he have a car? <laughs> quality of life change is coming in season twenty. Uh, he he has a car. It's I, I don't know if it's going to be a good ride, but it's going to be a little bumpy. <laughs> placement changes. You can now place in Platinum Division after your initial placement series if you were Adept or Ascendant in the previous season. Ooh. So for our friend Dealer, he, you get to place in Platinum right away. That should be a lot of fun for you. Because um, he did. Uh, kudos to Dealer, by the way, for hitting Ascendant in comp. I want to give a shout. I want to give a shout out to him. You you yeah. my friend are an absolute animal. Yeah. You're an absolute animal. Yeah. Shout out also to our friend Ray Apollo being in our voice chat last night and Dealer immediately introducing himself going, Hey, Ray, do you want to go flawless in trials? <laughs> and uh, poor Ray, I think that may have almost scared him off from playing. <laughs> from playing anymore. Uh, mode and map weighing. We understand not everyone loves Rift and Showdown. We believe these two modes stress Crucible players in different and important ways. And a variety of kill and objective modes make for a healthier ladder. Thank you. However, we are lowering how common Rift and Showdown come up in play. While RNG can give any sequence of maps and modes, we expect Survival to show up two-thirds of the time and Rift and Showdown to split the other third. We've also uh, adjusted the individual map weightings for Showdown to eliminate maps the mode does not play well on. We have increased the weight of Jab 4, Endless Veil, and Altar of Flame in competitive, and removed Disjunction and Cathedral of Dusk from the rotation entirely! Yay. Yes! Yes! Oh That's my exciting. god! It's a safe place for all of us who hate those two maps. <laughs> oh man! Uh, here, here, here is here is a, a chunk though that I think you're either gonna love it or hate it. I, I'm in the I'm in the valley of I like this change because I don't typically change my exotic armor mid match. Yeah. But um, exotic armor pieces can be just as critical to your PvP build as your weapons or subclass aspects and fragments. A popular move has always been to have a powerful neutral game exotic on during PvP while your super is building, then swap to a super enhancing exotic once your super is full, then swapping back to the neutral exotic. This tends to favor players who have higher end PCs and can get in and out of menus faster, and we generally don't want to encourage a bunch of menu gameplay during action. We also find it an uninteresting way to gain an advantage in PvP. With the prevalence of build swapping that can happen with loadouts, we thought we would squash this issue in high-end PvP. In Season 20, we are introducing the Not Swap modifier to Trials and Competitive. In activities with Not Swap, if you change your exotic armor during the match, all of your ability energy is removed. Just like if you swapped your subclass. I cannot wait for the first time this happens to someone and they make an outrage post on Reddit. Being like, Bungie, what the fuck? Fix your game. I cannot wait for that to happen because they could not read a blog. <laughs> I cannot wait. I, I really do like generally though, genuinely though, I do hope that the first time you log in to go play trials, like you select trials or you select comp, I hope that there is a pop-up the very first time you do it that tells you about this modifier. Yeah. Um we'll be monitoring gameplay and community discussion around the issue. We are not currently planning on adding it to Gambit or other Crucible playlists. Good. I I don't think it needs to be. I think in those no. two high-end modes, it needs to be there. I, I'm totally okay with that. Do please do not put this in Iron Banner. 
Yeah. Please don't put it in an Iron Banner. I, I can see, like, that you might want to because that's supposed to be a pinnacle experience for everyone. Yeah. But I think it's a little silly to do it there. Gambit, I could see the argument for adding it. Um, because I do think that it's probably an issue there as well, but... Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. We're also not planning on adding it to any PvE modes. Anywhere it might provide a meaningful advantage already has equipment locked. Also good. Also good. I don't think... You can't do it during a raid. There's no, no. way. No, 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 no. There's no way. Grand Ma and like they say, you know, Legend and above uh, Nightfalls already have that uh, with equipment locked. Lost Master and Legend Lost Sectors already have equipment locked. Legend Battlegrounds have equipment locked. Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty. More details to come in a Crucible blog next season. Until then, go make Shaq's proud and get ready to build and save your perfect PvP loadout next week. Can I just say, as an addendum to all this Crucible stuff, initially they said a Crucible blog post coming soon, and people were freaking out going, oh, thank God, we're getting a Crucible post in like the next couple of weeks. Bungie had Bungie's comms team so had to immediately come out and say, "Yeah, no, that was a mistake. Well, you're not getting it till next season." Mm -hmm. To go yeah. effectively radio silent on PvP until May is just at least at least May, more likely June. Yeah, well. is highly is because you you have to think: Does next season mean this coming season, or does it mean the season after? I'm taking it to mean the season after, since we're yeah. five days away from a new season. Yeah, I would say next season. That's I... highly disappointing. Uh, maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe it'll come. I, I mean, I'd like, I would like to be surprised, but it's pretty, I mean, that's the only other thing you can really be working on right now is PVP, right? Uh, we have some quality of life stuff to talk about in the PlayStation blog. I completely forgot about that as well that we're going to get to, but <laughs> let's talk about the big, the big kahuna here. Let's do it. And that big is kahuna. the passive artifact. Of course, as a reminder, you get 12 artifact unlocks now. They are all passive, meaning you do not have to slot them anymore, which is just massively, massively helpful. To accommodate these changes, Artifice Armor now has a unique mod slot that grants three additional points to a character stat of your choice. This is retroactive to all Artifice Armor. So if you got it all the way back in Grasp of Avarice like I did, congratulations, your Artifice Armor will work going forward. Yay. Um, you can reset the artifact at no cost any amount of times. I assume once you've hit all 12 perks. Uh, very interested to see how that is. I really hope that you unlock the artifact mods um, just as quickly as you can now if you unlock 12. Uh, if not a little bit faster with how important they're going to be to build crafting. <clears throat> One other thing here that I really, really like. The anti-champion weapons featured on the artifact can also be overcharged in higher difficulty activities. That that one caught my eye because that's actually going to be really really useful. Yeah. Sorry, my computer is like freaking out right now. That's fine. Um, I was trying to I was trying to find the uh, the definition of uh, overcharged. Um, overcharged weapon, as a reminder, deals twenty five percent more damage. So if you're gonna be able to increase that. Uh, that is very exciting. That would be nice. Very exciting. And uh, as a reminder, you know, that also works with kinetic weapons. So, Ooh. yeah, it's going to be a little spicy. Some of the mods coming. Let's let's talk about this. The Ascendant Scepter is the name of the artifact. That's kind of bitching. It's kind of a cool Can name. I wield the Ascendant Scepter? Can I get the Hammer of Proving, finally? Can we just get, like, cool big, like... There's no reason you can't give me a Scepter. I have a Glaive already. 
Yeah. How different is a scepter from a glaive, really? I mean, I'm going stab stab no matter it what. It might be one handed instead of two handed. That's. I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Let me have that in a. Let me have that in a sidearm at the same time. Have you heard of dual wielding? <laughs> I have. I have played the critically acclaimed masterpiece from Bungie Studios, Halo Two. Mm, man, dual wielding. Uh, Remember Col- how big of a deal that was. <laughs> Call of one of the artifact mod, of course, is all of our anti-champion weapons. We have anti-barrier sidearm and anti-barrier pulse rifle. We have overload bows. We have automatics overload, which is your auto rifles and your SMGs. And then you have unstoppable scout rifle. Very excited for all. I think those are all great choices. All great. Yeah. Yeah. Great across the board. Uh, Overload auto rifle and SMG. A second season in a row kind of gives me like a bit of hesitation because it can be a little finicky. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, the second, uh, column, we have a new thing called, uh, authorized mods. So we have solar strand void and grenades here. And the definition for these are the armor energy costs of all armor mods affecting solar weapons, strand weapons, void weapons, or grenades respectfully for those four are significantly discounted. Uh, so that's going to play into build crafting big time, big, big time. Yeah. Yeah. And then multi-siphon mods grants access to armor mods in your helmet that combine the effects of the strand siphon mod with the solar siphon and void siphon mods. Ooh. So that could be a little, uh, that could be a little juicy. Spicy. Yeah. Interesting to see how that goes. Column three shatter orbs. The first time you break a combatant shield, you break an orb, you create an orb of power. If you break the shield with the matching damage type, that's going to be huge Ooh. for Grandmasters in that day one raid. I will absolutely, this will be a key part of my build. I'm absolutely never <clears> taking <throat> this off until they take it away at the end of the season, of course. Yeah. Sounds... Defiant Armory greatly improves the benefits provided by Noble Deeds, Nanotech Tracer Rockets, Tech's Balanced Stock, and Ambush Origin Traits. Untangler. Destroying a tangle with a strand weapon suspends targets damaged by the explosion. Solar Surge. Cre- collecting a fire spike gives you armor charge and volatile flow. Picking up an orb of power grants your void weapons volatile rounds. Hello, my old friend. Ooh. It has been too long. I'm very <laughs> excited. Oh, man. I was going through my vault the other day. I found a, I found a scout rifle with uh, volatile rounds. I was like, oh, neat. I forgot I had this. <clears throat> Oh, man. I remember when I was saving everything that had adaptive munitions on it. <laughs> Column four. This is where they get... for these, these are usually where they get a little juicy, right? Oh, Bricks nice. from beyond. Defeating a powerful combatant with a void weapon has a chance to generate heavy ammo for you and your teammates. Flare up. Firebolt grenades apply more scorch stacks. Damaging a combatant with a firebolt grenade spawns a fire spite near them. Origin hones. Weapons with the noble deeds. Nano tracing rockets. Text balance stock and ambush origin traits are always overcharged when that modifier is active. Hmm. Allied unraveling. Rapid final blows with the strain weapon grant your weapon unraveling rounds with a longer duration near allies. And counterweave. When you are a member of your fire team stuns or defeats a champion, you gain energy for your least charged strand ability. I think they really want us to use strand, Corey. Yeah, I think they, uh, I don't know. I think they might. <laughs> and then, of course, the final column. We have stranded reach. Destroying a tangle with a strand weapon creates a larger and more damaging explosion. 
I'm very curious to see how this goes. I, I wanna I wanna play around with this because this does not require the subclass to be off. Right. Uh, Rain of Firebolts. When you have Firebolt grenades equipped, gain a second grenade charge. They're really pushing Firebolt grenades. Yeah. Um, weapon Void Weapons Channeling. You gain a temporary bonus to Void Weapon Damage after you defeat a target with a Void Weapon while at least one of your Void Abilities is fully charged. This damage bonus increases based on the number of a uh, based on the number of fully charged void abilities that you have. I do wonder if this will work with uh, the hunters in Viz Dodge. If it does, this is super broken. Yeah, hmm. I I really want to know because this with Omni Oculus could be wild. Sounds. Hmm. I'm very yeah. excited for this. Uh, here we go. We all know how much I love glaives here. This is a mod that I think, just from looking at it right away, is made for myself and A1 Johnny. Medieval Champion. Glaives you wield fire a powerful explosive payload that stuns unshielded champions. Strong mm. against unstoppable champions. Additionally, glaives are always overcharged when that modifier is active. Landing consecutive hits with a sword disrupts combatants, stunning them. Delaying an ability energy regeneration and lowering combatant damage output. Strong against overload champions. Additionally, swords are always overcharged. That modifier is active. Never taking it off. Never <laughs> taking it off, boys and girls. Never. Yeah, it's never happening. That sounds so cool. I have three crafted. I have three crafted glaives sitting in my inventory, ready to go for the Lightfall campaign. I. It is a race to unlock this as quickly as possible for me. Ooh, that sounds. Mm. Here so we cool. go, and he, here here is what I like. This is also going to be one that I think everybody will be running on day one. Prismatic Transfer. When you cast your super, each member of your fire team with a subclass damage type different than yours gains a bonus to weapon damage. Ooh. How many people are going to be told we need you to sacrifice your DPS to run Fists of Havoc so that the rest of us can get bonuses to our damage? Or only I mean, one person is allowed to be on void or so like the bubble titan is all that's allowed to be on void all of us have to yeah. get off void yeah mm. well i mean well also <laughs> would work in that instance i think yeah there there's a lot of very funny scenarios i think that we can have play out here how many times does this stack is what i want to know because you could have this stack uh, up three or four times yeah this is going to be again when we talk about the race to unlock mods. I I may have to go stock up bounties this week, Corey. I wasn't planning to. I may have to to get to this in medieval champion as quickly <clears> as possible. Yeah, is that that still works though? Right, the stacking bounties still works. That still works, right? Yeah. Okay. I, as long as you're not using uh, seasonal ones, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you can pick it up in the helm, it's useless. I'm always I'm always worried about doing that because that there was one season where they messed around with that and said you couldn't stack bounties and then everybody got mad but they still did it. So you could stack bounties, it's just they were removing and changing up several bounties, so they basically were like your mileage may vary. <clears throat> yeah. Um I'm just going to relish that this is probably the last season I'll be able to get away with storing uh seven trials ingrams on my character going into an expansion. That's probably true again i'm running straight to the tower and i'm buying that fucking chest piece that i missed out on from year one yeah still upset that i don't have it so i'm getting it i'm gonna get it now um 
new ways to defeat champions. We talked about some of these a couple weeks ago. We now know the strand abilities that are going to play into it. So as a reminder, how to stun champions, exotic with an anti-champion intrinsic perk, such as Ariana's Vow, Divinity, or Leviathan's Breath. You can use weapons that have an anti-champion artifact perk, such as Overload, uh, Auto Overload, and uh, Overload Bow, uh, Anti-Barrier Sidearm, etc., you can use the following subclass verb and status effects. Barrier Champions, Radiant, Volatile Rounds, and Unraveling Rounds. So that's the uh, that's pretty clearly the Strand one. Overload Champions, Jolt, Suppression, and Slow. Unstop Champions, Ignite, Blind, Shatter, and Suspend. Hmm. These verbs work no matter how they are triggered. Two examples. If you're Radiant because a Solar Hunter used an acrobatic dodge near you, you will shoot anti-barrier rounds until Radiant wears off. Holy shit. If you use a weapon with the Chill Clip perk, the slow effect upon direct hits will stun Overload Champions, and the Shatter upon a second hit will stun Unstoppables. While Radiant, though, the same weapon would pierce a Barrier Champion, but not stun Overloads. They're really only going to let you use two, two of the three. Right. Exotics with an anti-champion status effect will not get the pierce effect when applying Radiance. One effect, Aegir Scepter will slow and stun an Overload Champion, but not pierce a barrier one even if the player is Radiant. There is an exception for weapons able to scorch since ignitions require buildup in order to stun. I think that's probably the most fair way because I, a couple of us were kind of wondering how Aegir's was going to be handled. Yeah. Knowing that it was going to get some of these uh, effects. And, you know, God bless him, uh, one of Johnny and I's friends, Phil, was very excited for it. Uh, we might want to rein in that excitement just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. Not a whole lot, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's totally fair. I, totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 Become legend. Whether you're Ooh. solo or in a full fire team, there's no wrong way to play the Lightfall campaign. We know you all love Legendary Difficulty that debuted with Witch Queen, so we want to talk a bit how it will work in Lightfall. With the goal of balancing challenge and survivability across all fire team sizes of 1, 2, and 3, legendary difficulty scales based on the size of your fire team. Incoming damage, damage required to stagger an enemy, enemy health, and amount of revives are a few of the things that scale on legendary for each additional member of your fire team. In the Lightfall campaign, we reduced the health scaler on combatants to better soul, better balance solo and fire team play when compared to last year's legendary campaign. Enemies will still have more overall health than larger fire teams, and the Cabal in general have higher base health than other combatant types. But this will help bring solo and fire team difficulty closer together. Additionally, the damage required to stagger combatants is reduced during the Lightfall campaign. So, very, very curious to see how this plays out. I think there were a few instances where the legendary campaign was genuinely a challenge. Yeah. Um, I specifically think of the room with the, uh, the vestige of Riven that you fight oh, and God, yeah. uh, in the Savathun fight. Yeah. I would also argue when you're, uh, when you're raiding that uh, circular prison style room. Yeah. That was, that was the, one of the biggest challenges for us when we were doing yeah, it. Yeah. I, I think that all, all three of those were pretty, pretty rough on day one. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I, I did it with, uh, with nerd generalist and, uh, our buddy Joe Wilson and we got all the way to Sabathun on the first day and we were fighting Sabathun and we finally had to just call it and take a break for the night and come back. We came back first thing in the morning and crushed it, yeah. but we had to just take a break because we were getting so beat down in the second section. Right. Yeah. Um, that... Of that fight. We got past the first half and then we were just getting our asses beat from here to Sunday Mm -hmm. uh, on that second area until we could figure out how to do it. it. It was doing enough damage was our problem. Right. 
um, and generating enough heavy. So still curious to see what our meta is going to be for damage. We still don't know. Yeah. Little, uh, little scared. I will be playing it on regular on day one. Uh, <laughs> I will be, I will be doing legendary. Yeah. There is, uh, there is no reality in which I don't do this legendary on my first run. Um, I would like to do it on regular for the story, but I also am very well aware that I need as much of a jump on uh, being raid ready, being that raid ready week. as possible. Uh, yeah. Them giving you the full set of stuff to make you raid ready right off the bat was a huge help. It yeah. let me enjoy uh, Witch Queen a little bit more last year, and it let me enjoy the seasonal stuff too, instead of putting it off until after the raid. So I right. really enjoyed that. Looking forward to doing the same thing here this year. Um. But yeah, um, this week, I mean, if you're if you're listening to this and you somehow don't have Witch Queen, uh, Witch Queen is up for free right now for a couple of days for a free weekend uh, on Xbox uh, and PlayStation. Um, it will actually cut off of Xbox uh, nine hours earlier than everywhere else. I presume that's because when uh, Xbox does their daily uh, store updates and reset is at midnight Pacific time. Yeah. Whereas... Um, PlayStation, Steam, the Microsoft Store, and the Epic Games Store. It'll be uh, February 27th at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is when the servers all go down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you also have a couple of days to still claim Beyond Light from PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually need to remember to log in and do that, just in case for whatever reason I lose access to my Xbox in the future. Also, it's worth noting that uh, beginning the day of lightfall they are selling the destiny 2 legacy edition which has all three campaigns from witch queen beyond light and uh shadow keep yes i was going to get to that oh, sorry <laughs> thank I... you no this was a good time to bring it up yes and the forsaken pack will be sold separately I just, I just thought there's a lot of people out there that are thinking about jumping into destiny right for the first time uh and we have a lot of new listeners, so I figured that would be it would be worth bringing up. So there yes. you go. I, I agree. Um, so it also says here, if you want to check out the Amazing Legendary campaign, the Vox Obscura exotic mission, a few Wellspring runs, or try the Vow of the Disciple raid, you can. all. And here's something that's unique. I've never seen this for an expansion that you can try for a few days at a time. Even I think they did some Forsaken weekends and some Shadowkeep weekends in the past. Mm-hmm. They've never quite done it this way, though. All the loot you earn is yours to keep, and you don't have to download any additional content. The Witch Queen Standard Edition will just unlock on your installed game. So, Because it's just a key. Yeah, It's just a key is all it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Similar situation with Beyond Light, since this expansion is still available for free to PlayStation Plus subscribers. Go fight House Salvation and Aramis while traveling across Europa just in time before Strand launches with Lightfall. Just remember to redeem Beyond Light before March 6th. You have until March 6th to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I will actually be doing mine right after we get off this recording because I keep forgetting to get it. Um, we already reminded you about Prime Gaming Rewards. Those are all getting uh, yeeted out of here if you don't claim them by Monday. The 24-hour downtime, of course, starts at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That is noon for our uh, East Coast brethren. <sighs> Ongoing activities will end. You will be returned mm-hmm. to the title screen. Preloading for Lightfall will become available. Um there is a, uh, of course, if you're on PlayStation, you already know this. You're going to have to download the game twice, I think, specifically on PS4. I don't know about PS5. Gosh, dude, um, imagine downloading this on PS4. With... <laughs> yeah, so so listen, to, so for PS5, you're going to need 102.6 gigs 
Gross. On Xbox Series X and S, the size of Lightfall will be 108.59 gigabytes. Oh, double gross. PlayStation 4. The install size, 88.21 gigs, but the storage space needed for preload is 184.64 gigs. Oh my gosh. Holy shit, it gets worse, Corey. Steam, install size, 102.6 gigs. Needed for preload, 233.2. Epic Games, basically the exact same thing. Same with the Microsoft Store. And then uh, Xbox One is 89.21 for both. That is fucking wild. When you compare that, uh, the file size for uh, Destiny 1 is uh, 50 gigs on Xbox One. Yeah. It's 18, or it's 16 gigs on Xbox 360. That's still here in the exact same thing. Jeez. That's wild to think about. Uh, so everyone, uh, have fun with that. <laughs> if you need extra storage, now's the time. Yeah. Oh, boy. Claim all your rewards, all your triumphs, all your titles. Do not be like me and accidentally forget to uh, take care of your Forerunner seal. Uh, I'm going to have to delete some stuff off of my Series S and my X right now. I don't think I need to because it's not too much bigger than it currently is. So I think I'm safe. But I'm going to tell you, there's an issue down here that we're going to talk about that I really need to be fixed. Oh, no. So I'm not going to be happy if I'm still hitting this in Lightfall. Known issues. Some Xbox players are re-downloading the most recent update on every game launch. The one that takes forever and a day to get to like 50% and then it speeds to the end. That we had to download for... uh, the final uh, Seraph mission. I get yeah. really fucking tired of seeing that installing Destiny 2 screen every time I log in. Yeah. Naturally, I got hit with this right before Lightfall. Yeah, I got hit with it too. And the odd thing is, is like, I, I actually was going to address this at the top of the show and I totally forgot. It hasn't it lo- done it to me every time. I've gotten it. I've logged in five times since that mission came out. I've logged in five or six times. I've gotten hit with it four times. Well, the one time I did it, it loaded me back into the final mission. I mean, it was so good. They wanted you to do it again. I, apparently, but I already did it. <laughs> and then it's like, here, do it again. And I said, but I don't want to, but I did it anyway. So. Oh, man. And I think that's going to actually do it for us here. Like, that's it. That's it. Is that really it? That's really it. That is is it for the TWAB today. We do have a quality of life change post, however, from the PlayStation blog. I have not read this, so I'm going to, like, scan this real fast. um, Because I think it talks about um, build crafting, mod customization. Yeah, oh, it's just about this. Okay, we don't really have to worry about any of this. Loadouts, we've already talked about loadouts plenty on this show. Uh, Guardian Ranks. Guardian Ranks is addressed here. Kind of curious to talk about Guardian Ranks a little bit. Let me see if there's anything new. Um, No. We have definitely read exactly what is here in a Chwab before. Cool. I'm not even joking. Like, there are word-for-word paragraphs directly from Chwabs. Great. That's what I like to hear. Fantastic. I love hearing that. Besides, that gives us more time for our final topic tonight. Before we get into listener questions and uh, a final lore corner to cap off uh, the year of Witch Queen. This is so weird. <laughs> the let's last about, Witch let's, Queen let's, episode. Let's talk about these seasons for a minute. We, we've waxed poetic enough on Witch Queen and on the campaign and everything at, at the end of last year. We're not going to revisit that yet again. It, it's the best campaign by far. Go play it. 
Yeah. Um, I want to talk, take a minute to talk about seasons. I want to rank the seasons first off. I want to rank the activities from said seasons. Hmm. And we're going to talk about the loopholes very briefly while we're ranking these seasons. So, as a reminder, we had Season of the Risen. We had Season of the Haunted. We had Season of the Plunder. Or Blunder, however you want to look at it. And Season of the Seraph. Out of these four, Corey, how would you rank them from least to best? Oh, man. So, I'm putting you on the spot. I actually, I'm actually not that big of a fan of this season's kind of event stuff but i love the story of this season uh i would actually say risen risen as the worst no risen is the best okay i I was saying let's go from let's go from worst to best worst to best all right fourth place uh fourth place would be haunted okay i think fair uh close very close to uh plunder i actually thought like the beginning of that season was fun and whimsical and kind of like pirates right like that whole thing was like that's fair uh very cool and then seraph probably the best story out of all the seasons yep but i think the best overall season was risen i think uh just the event was or the you know the the events were fun the story was was really fun the weapons are great like overall i just think risen is probably the best of this of the year by far yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a slightly slightly not not too far slightly different direction. Um, I I gotta put plunder at the bottom. That's fair. I gotta do it. It hurts um, because I was really jazzed for a pirate season, and I still really like Catch Crash. Or I'm gonna I'll get into this more when we rank the uh, the activities of the seasons after this. But um, I just think it it had two activities that I think for a lot of people after you did like a dozen Catch Crashes, you were probably done. Mm-hmm. you're probably That's over it felt. the expeditions were fine but if you were doing it uh with friends it was way better than doing it with uh random groups uh, yeah. i definitely think that was a bit of a problem but also most of us remember just the absolutely jarring experience that was trying to get that fucking title done yeah um well i still think about ruffians and my nightmares mm-hmm. um and but for me it had by far the weakest loophole by far there are yeah. two weapons worth getting out of it that I can think of off the top of my head, and that's uh, Brigand's Law, the sidearm, and Tarnished Metal, the scout rifle. Yeah, um, you can you can make a case for that stasis shotgun. I actually like that in some situations. The other three weapons utterly and completely forgettable as far as yeah. I but I feel like I feel like there are better weapons than the best weapons from that season anyway. There are, but man, that sidearm's pretty fucking good. Yeah, I I I run that thing with. Uh, with Volt Shot. And now I will say, though, after getting Icolos SMG back, that sidearm hasn't been used nearly as much, but that scout rifle is going to get a lot of use going into yeah. this next expansion. Yeah, I, ha- um, I, kept a, I kept a scout. Very, very, season. very happy for that. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, honestly, the story is the weakest. It's the weakest story of the bunch far and away. Which is crazy because it actually had, like, the most promise of being, like, continuing aramis's story right like i i actually the promise of that story was cool like spiders still here yeah. and rebuilding the the elixir quarter like it had the most promise it just i don't know i don't know what happened yeah you not only that but i think we all i think what we're all going to remember from that isn't just the letdown of the aramis stuff it's in it's going to overshadow how much i think a lot of us really like the character of ido 
yeah. and her and Mithrax's interactions by the absolute letdown of the Nezirak plotline. Oh, yeah. Um, now, I, I said it then, I'm going to say it again as we head into Lightfall. Things can retroactively be made better. There was a point to the bullshit we did in Worthy, and it didn't play out until Seraph. I would remind us to keep that in mind. That is, like to me, universally the absolute worst season we've ever gotten of Destiny. I don't count Curse of Osiris as a season, otherwise it'd be up there too. Worthy is definitely the worst thing that we've gotten in like modern Destiny 2 mm-hmm. since seasons were introduced. Yeah. Hands down the worst thing. And there was still ultimately a slight purpose to what we did. So I would just remind us all to keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, specifically the lore that we read about Aramis, or not Aramis, about Mithrax's mother discovering yeah. the lunar pyramid i would specifically keep that stuff in mind as we approach lightfall in the final shape that lore was cool that, that lore was very awesome. good that's low-key some of the most important lore we got all year right there yeah i wonder if that's going to play out this season somewhere or not this season but the in a season this i hope so i honestly i hope it plays out a little bit in lightfall because that would redeem that season instantly for me it wouldn't move it up in my rankings at all but it would redeem it at least a little bit i think in my eyes yeah uh three has to be haunted it has to be haunted. Perhaps the strongest narrative of the year, but is counterbalanced by the most insufferable activity since Seraph Towers. On the derelict... Fuck the derelict Leviathan. This oh is the gosh. worst goddamn thing you could have done. I I hate the Leviathan I in so many different ways. I already don't like the Leviathan, and this made it even worse. Yeah. Ugh. This was terrible. Yes. For everybody complaining about Catch Crash, I'd rather go run Catch Crash and Expeditions than do this shit. Yeah, was this bad. was terrible. However, I would be remiss if I did. This the story was great. The loot is. I don't think the loot pool is nearly as good as uh, a lot of others think it is. I enjoy that they brought back six opulent weapons. Of course, mm-hmm. not two of them are dungeon weapons, so we're not going to count those. But the four opulent weapons they bring back in the season that was pretty cool. Drang and Callus Mini Tool are awesome. Yeah, those are phenomenal weapons. Beloved. I think was a weapon that a lot of people were gravitating back to. And then Ikelo's sniper rifle came out. So GG's. Um, yep. And Ostringer. Ostringer is the one I thought would get a lot more hype. And uh, it seems like it didn't really get that much. I think it's because like, can- we're not really in a hand cannon meta right now. Yeah. Uh, the other seasonal weapons. Um, I really like Tears of Contrition. I think that scout rifle is great. Uh, I like uh, Nezarak's Whisper which is the Glaive. Big fan of the Glaive. I would like to see different perks, though. I want that thing to have Volt Shot. Oh, God. That thing with Volt Shot would be With Volt Shot and with some of the new Glaive perks we got this season. I think there's an opportunity for some rerolls there. Um, And I was... was, God, there was one other weapon from the actual season that I was trying to think of that I can't remember. Um, And then the Sever activities, yes, it was a little annoying to have to run those every week, but the story we got from those seven missions was great i know everybody got had a little bit of crow fatigue uh during that season because we'd had so much crow over the last year and a half but seeing him finally face his past as aldrin was special seeing heidel overcome uh you know her nightmare was gall but then fighting callus with her was Mm -hmm. great yeah that was cool uh that would strong contender for one of the best missions of the year right there, by the way. Those are the missions we want to see more of. We want to see more stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
And then, of course, we have to bring it up. We have to bring up Zavala. Zavala and his family. Yeah, that was um, a great story. An extremely touching uh, series of events for one of the more beloved NPCs in Destiny who really didn't, I don't think, got that status until the last maybe year and a half, two years. Yeah, I would say I would say kind of right after Arrivals, maybe that first season of Beyond Light. Or second season, maybe? Uh, it was chosen. It was yeah. chosen uh, when, you know, he was like, no, we're not bowing down. Yeah. We're not bowing down to the Cabal. No, we fought to take our city back. Yeah. And ever since then, he's been so important to the Vanguard. And in these seasons, like, he's really become kind of a default seasonal vendor. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been really special. Um, second, I've got Risen. Um, great loot pool, especially for um, something that came attached to the expansion. Four week story was so welcome. It was yeah. so welcome to get those just a story out of the way in four weeks. Yeah. Um, I like the storyline. Uh, I think it was really cool that it was Crow and Saladin. Crow, Saladin, and Keitel who really took the uh the lead in that. And I like the final mission on the moon in particular. The moon psyops is probably my favorite battleground of the whole year because they drop the cabal commanders in there with you. And that yeah. was just really cool to see play out. Again, things that we want to see more of, right? Um, but just the story beats, we've never had a season that's launched with an expansion that's been good. We say all the time how Undying and Hunt are two of the four weakest seasons in the game. Yeah. Indisputably, they may be, like, if Worthy didn't exist, they'd indisputably be the two worst seasons. So for Risen to then turn around and be so good, I think it was a shock to all of us. And Honestly, I mean, like, the, the cutscenes, you got the first one, like, the, the campaign directly influences what's happening. It looks like they're doing the same thing with Defiance now and yeah. Lightfall. Um, man, what a shame you're not going to be able to play that story anymore. That's really one of the first seasons where I've been like, damn, I would love to see this, this story still play out. Yeah. Um, I, think it's, I think it's important to understand the position of the Cabal in this war, but also to understand why Saladin goes with Keitel. He does, he forfeits his own life and his freedom as a guardian to serve Keitel to save Crow. And even as early as Season of the Haunted, you can see how deeply that's affecting Crow. I'm excited to see his character grow after this. And I think even Saladin, they found a way to keep his character growing all year past this. Yeah. Again, steadily becoming like he was really reintroduced to the narrative with Chosen and he was just brutal, a brutal warlord, essentially like, no, you're going to fucking wipe them all out. Yeah. And then in uh, this season, he's kind of like, eh, maybe there, maybe there's a better approach. Maybe there's a different approach, Crow, but you got to be willing to, you know, kill your enemies when you have to, even though, you know, Crow is wondering, you know, should we be killing these ghosts and like asking these philosophical questions? Like as a player, you're supposed to put yourself in Crow's shoes, I think. Yeah, And for that, he works so effectively as a character being a vessel for the audience. Mm -hmm. yeah. Again, great, a great weapon selection. Uh, peace of mind dominated all year in the Crucible. Um, I like the Thoughtless Sniper Rifle. Um, is it, I want to say it's Explosive Personality is the uh, breech-loaded grenade launcher from that season. Great, great grenade launcher. Everybody seems to love it still. Um, the uh, the seasonal weapons were kind of goofy this year. The the pinnacle ones you could get from the vendors they were a little goofy. Don't know how I feel about any of those really. Yeah, none no, of them I were agree. like 
I have to use this. And I felt the same way about the exotics too, to be frank. Grand Overture was really fun. That's that is that is a win in this one's column. Yeah. Grand Overture was fun. I would honestly even say uh, Trespasser for Haunted should get a check mark next to its name too. Mm-hmm. Less jazzed about Delicate Tomb and Manticore can just disappear. <laughs> Which leaves one season as our top season. Call it recency bias, call it whatever you want. Seraph Man. Um, I think Seraph is head and shoulders above what we got the rest of the year. Not that like Haunt I mean Haunted's narrative is amazing. Yeah, but Seraph's Risen narrative brought it all like... together, I think. it had the it had a good package. It had like a very like A minus in all things. You know, the Psyops were awesome. They're they're the best battlegrounds of the year. They're better than the Seraph ones. Yeah. Had a great <laughs> small loot pool, especially for a season tied to a launch again we've never had good weapons from a season at launch so that was really really nice a deafening whisper is the only thing i can think of in the past that's like been a you have to get this oh my gosh the the whole like the for somebody who loves auto rifles and pulse rifles man risen oh, oh my wow. god i can't believe i forgot my mvp of the first half of the year in terms of weapons sweet sorrow yeah oh my Dude. god absolutely an a tier a almost s tier weapon yeah um again i need an updated perk pool i really want this thing to trigger uh jolt i'd be really excited for that yeah and of course like i said this is gonna bring us to the final thing we have to talk about which is the current season serif so this is kind of the serif wrap up and it being number one in my rankings um if risen had anything against it it's vox obscura the legend Vox Obscura in particular. That is just a horrific mission. Horrific. Yeah, in every it's... single sense of the word, it's terrible. It's pretty bad. That's as bad as it gets. Legend Seraph is as good as it gets. Yeah. That is the right balance of challenging and rewarding, I feel. Maybe not having me do it four times, though, for the Catalyst. I've, I still haven't done the fourth times Catalyst. Because I just don't want to go do this mission on Legend again. But all that aside, it's got... I think it's got the second best narrative of the season. Haunted has the best, but you can't, in your right mind, put Haunted as the top season. Um, It's got a close second in terms of the narrative for me. Um, It's got the right amount of, you know, emotion. Clovis Bray is brought back into the story. He kind of mm-hmm. abruptly yeeted away. They don't really use him anymore unless you like go and do a battleground on Europa and he kind of taunts you and Anna a little bit. Bring yeah. Rasputin back. Huge, 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 huge. We mentioned, you know, that and then the big point twist. season of the worthy. We were waiting on it. He finally comes back. We hear him talk talking in English for the first time. He's only ever yeah. talked in machine and in Russian. Yeah. Um going back to the Iron Temple to get Fellspring. You know, I, a very moving moment, I think, for those of us who suffered through uh, the dark years of Destiny 1. Mm. Going back to the Iron Temple definitely brought out some emotions. Yeah, I think I think you and I differ on Rise of Iron, though. I really we love do. that. We do. I am very much an outlier in the community for how I feel on Rise of Iron. Uh, it's It's been very well documented. I do not think nearly as high of Rise of Iron as everybody else does. And you know what? That's okay. It's fine. It's okay. We, we, all, we all have different opinions. People are allowed to have different opinions. Yep. Um, God, man, the story is so good. The story is so good. And I mean, the loot pool is arguably the best in the whole the whole year. It You've got an awesome... Uh, 
I don't know about Aus. It's you got a really good linear fusion rifle. Something I did want to highlight for Haunted. I, I hate to keep backtracking. Bump in the night. Absolutely essential heavy weapon out of Season of the Haunted. I got one. I Go finally craft got that one. that thing with chill clip and auto loading. Yep, that's what I got. Um, whew. back to back to Seraph though. I mean, you get the four reprised Ikelos weapons, which is great. You know, mm-hmm. Ikelos sniper, SMG, and shotgun automatically either the best or close to the best in their respective categories for their frames, especially. Um, you get Judgment of Kelgarath, which is a great glaive. Fire and Forget for a linear fusion rifle. Uh, Disparity, which if Peace of Mind hadn't come out, would be a pretty strong contender for Best Pulse of the Year. Yep. Uh, best Legendary Pulse of the Year, at least. Um, I think it is still... I mean, it's like it's like my 1B. I think it's the best PvE Pulse of the Year, personally. Um, very, very good in both PvE and PvP. Uh, go craft one if you haven't already. This was a really, really, really solid year for, for weapons overall. And I think this, this season just ekes it out a little bit over uh, Haunted, which probably had the second best loot pool <laughs> overall. Mm-hmm. And part of that's because of the opulent weapons that are brought back. Um, but I think that the loot pools that you got for Seraph, Haunted, and Risen were all appropriate for where they fell out in the year. Mm-hmm. We need to have a talk about Plunder's Loot Pool because Plunder's Loot Pool stands pretty... It's pretty low for me because not only does it have the least good weapons, it's the smallest loot pool. Um, yeah. Well, so it and Risen have the same loot pool. I should clarify that, but I give Risen slightly more of a pass. One, because it was a four-week season, but two, it came out attached to the Witch Queen. I'm fine with there only being six weapons when I had Vox Obscura to go do. I had the full Throne World set of weapons to get. I had the four weapons from Wellspring to get and craft. I had three exotic glaives. I had my Enigma that I crafted during the campaign. I had the entire Vow of the Disciple suite. I had new weapons in Vanguard, Crucible, and Gambit to go get. I had new Trials weapons. I had so much stuff to go get. I think uh, they replaced the entire world loot pool, by the way, too. At one point, we calculated there were like 50 new weapons to go get. Before yeah. you got to the seasonal stuff, I was okay with that. Yeah, totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. I still was going up until like the last week of the season trying to get all of my patterns. I remember actually buying my my final machine gun pattern like the first or second week of Haunted. Yeah, and Haunted, I think had, Haunted and Seraph had appropriate loot pools because oh, you got four reprised weapons and an additional two in the dungeons. Uh, for whatever reason, they're craftable from Duality, but not from uh, Spire. That's a little weird. Yeah, that's kind of weird. The excuse you can give Plunder, I guess, is, oh, well, King's Fall came back during that. Yeah, but you, yeah, you can go craft those, but those are raid weapons. I feel like raid and dungeon weapons need to stay separate when we're talking about the specific loot pools of the seasons. And when I look at what else was going on in the game, there's really no excuse for there not to be more weapons. I think that they've set the standard now at at least 10 weapons for a regular season. For a non-expansion season, 10 weapons, I think, is now the standard. Yeah. And I do think that we need to continue the pattern of six brand new weapons, four reprised weapons. And then you can have two in whatever... <clears throat> if there's a dungeon, you can have two there, and maybe there's a... I don't know, maybe you can get the other patterns from just playing. Like, if you did two more during a regular season, during the season that doesn't get the dungeons, maybe you can have two that are just, 
you have to do special quests in the in the seasonal activity or something. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. But yeah. I think there's a way to do it. Like, you should be able to do that. There are plenty of foundries you can still pull from. We've been mm-hmm. asking for the return of classic Gambit weapons, for the Reckoning weapons, for... Right. We got the Trials of the Nine weapons back in Prophecy, finally. Uh, I really want that Gambit scout rifle back. The, uh... Shoot, which one is it? Nightwatch? Oh, no, not Nightwatch. The other one, the 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 Tex Machina one. Oh man, I forget what it is. I forget what it's called, but I never got a good roll on it. But the weapon is super fun to use. I yeah, I don't. I can't remember I, for the life of me what it is. Yeah, um, I'll think of it later. I think, but the uh, the other thing I'd like to see is, I mean, we have the Black Armory weapons just chilling there. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be addressed sooner rather than later. And even then, you can still pull some of those chosen and splicer weapons forward to be craftable. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I would be jazzed about going and earning those patterns after having great rolls on those weapons already, but yeah. I think there's enough that you can do here that you can pull forward. You can pull the Mercury weapons forward, maybe, if you do an Osiris-themed season. Dawn! The season of Dawn group Foundry is just sitting there. Right, yeah. They're just sitting there. One of the best weapon suites we've ever gotten in Destiny 2 is just sitting right there, right for the picking. Mm. You've got that sitting there. You've got the Arrivals weapons that are just chilling. Right. You've got stuff you can bring forward that have not been accessible in this game feasibly for quite some time. Yeah. There's plenty of things you can still pull from, especially if you're going to just maintain this pattern for the next couple of seasons to get us through yeah. the final shape. Mm-hmm. There's plenty you can do there. Um but Seraph handles everything beautifully and it's capped off with the best ending mission that we've gotten. We said yeah. last week, they've gone three for three now Yeah, on these ending it, missions. They've gotten bigger and better every single year. Yeah. The ending mission is so good in the, in the accompanying cutscene is just heart wrenching. It's man. I, I wish we got, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love the, the artistic kind of hand-drawn cutscenes that we get in the seasons and stuff, but I love a good CG cutscene, and Bungie has been doing that forever. They've been doing so... Man, they're so good. They're so good. They're so good. Man. (sighs) Man. Let's talk about about these activities really quickly. I know we just did. Let's rank them real fast. So, the activities that we have are the PsyOps Battlegrounds, the Sever Missions, the Derelict Leviathan. Mm, Gross. Catch Crash, uh, Expeditions. I'm not going to put Pirate Hunts in here because this was like super story related and I don't think they count as an activity whereas Sever was repeatable. Yeah. Um, and uh, Heist Battlegrounds. Those are the ones we're going to go with. So PsyOps, Heist, Leviathan, Sever, Catch Crash, Expeditions. Uh. I mean, I think I think the, ba- the psyops battlegrounds are definitely the f- best. Um, yeah, Let, let's let's make one thing very clear here. It's a race between the two types of battlegrounds to see what's the best activity. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. It's like one A, one B. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, for me, the derelict Leviathan is last. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's not even a it's question. Awful. Oh it's my gosh, awful. dude. No, I remember running those with with Mitch and I'm like, dude, can we just can we please go do something else? You know, like I just I can't do this anymore. I just can't. Um 
I actually really liked Catch Crash. I just wish there was more variety. I might put that at... Man. You have to remember, we have Expeditions here. Yeah, I know. Expeditions were pretty good. I think. I like them. Um, man, it might be it might be Catch Crash three Expeditions four for me. I think. Oh man, I. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's where I'm gonna rank it right there. All right, uh, I'm gonna fly. Th- I'm gonna fly through this. I've got Leviathan at the bottom. Yeah, oh, gross. I've got Expeditions next. I got Catch Crash. <clears throat> and that leaves my final three as uh, Sever, Heist Battlegrounds, and I gotta go Psyops as the top, of course. Mm. Um, I think that's that's the only real way to like shake this out, ultimately. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a Let's put it this way. There's a reason why those are still going to be in here. There's a reason why those six missions are going to go to the Vanguard Ops playlist. Yeah. Um, I am a little bit bummed that we're going to get Battlegrounds again this next season, but I'd rather have that than something like the Leviathan again. Yeah. So if this is how we get new activities, especially now that they're able to be Nightfalls, I'm a little less bothered by it, I guess. And it is a way to keep those storylines in the game that are yeah. tied so closely to the expansions. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, it still allows you to experience a lot of stories. That's, that's what, that's what Vanguard up should be. They should be building on what you do in the campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with it. I wish there was a way for Sever to continue being a thing. I mean, we're getting the, the legend mission rotator. Maybe we'll get Sever back in there at some point. Um, yeah. I think that's perfectly ripe as a three person activity to put in. Not the yeah. exotic rotator, but maybe you can get like a mission rotator eventually down the line. Um, even yeah. if it takes until the final shape. Yeah. Um, Johnny and I have been pushing for years that we need a six, we need a rotator of six man activities that are past activities, such as uh, you can put the catch crash in there now. You can put the sundial in there. You can put the vex offensive in there. We can get the, uh, the splicer activity, you know? Uh, there's no reason why we can't have a six-man and a three-man playlist. Like, the three-man playlist, you can put your expunges, you can put your your expeditions if you want to, you can put your severs, you can do things like that. There's no reason why we can't have some of these going. Just make it optional content that you don't have to have, but you can download. Yeah. No, that also, sense. you can, like, chuck things like, as much as I don't want to say it, you can put Black Armory Forges back in there. Yeah, I mean that that would make sense. It would give people something else to do, and it would change it up, right? What? Nope, I had to say it really quietly. Mm. You had to put, mm. the, put the menagerie back in. Mm. No, why like you? Why are you putting that back out in the universe? I don't like it, but uh, I oh. feel like there would be a march on my house if I didn't. So <sighs> get out of here! No, yeah. fired. Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't want to. Oof, oof, you fire me, you're gonna have a rough time doing a show. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Corey, what do you say we go to some listener questions? Do we, do we do have it. any more comments on seasons? Do we have any nope. comment, final no. comments on seasons? I think overall the seasons were actually pretty good overall. I mean, obviously there are some weak points, but... Oh, I, I will add one final thing. One final thought. You had an exotic mission with Risen. 
And I don't think Fox Obscura is technically part of Risen. It is part of Risen, but it's not. Because, like, they're going to let everybody have access to it with the Witch Queen trial. Um, It really kind of was a teaser for Lightfall in a lot of ways, like, way back then. Yeah. Um, You have that, and you have, obviously, Operation Seraph Shield. There's a reason why they're both coming back in a playlist uh, later on this year. There was no exotic mission in Haunted, and there was nothing in... uh, plunder and i was willing to forgive haunted because you still had a dungeon exotic you could go get Mm -hmm. and i think at a certain point you start running out of ideas on what to do with these exotics right yeah um to see the way that plunder was handled though like not even have not there wasn't even an exotic quest is something else that's really frustrating about that season and a season that already had the smallest loot pool i think doing a cool exotic would have helped or having a mission like Ser- like it's actually kind of disappointing that you had both Seraph Shield and Spire come out in the same season. Like for story purposes, you had to, but yeah, we got the return of King's Fall. But how many people can't get together a six man fire team, right? Or who are you know literally too timid to use LFG and not not a knock on those people at all. But like right. how many times have we heard that that's an issue? Like there there needed to be there needed to be more sustenance in that season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's it. That's my final thought on seasons. I'm not going to complain about plunder anymore starting next week. I've still got a little bit of this episode to complain about it. I don't know. I feel like in like three months when we're just BSing because something hasn't happened or might happen or whatever, we're going to BS about plunder at some point. Remember plunder? Ugh. (laughs) Ugh. It's not as bad as worthy, but it's like a bottom four season for me. Yeah. Um. All right, Corey. Let's hit these questions. Questions, big questions. And then let's do the thing. We'll do the final war corner of the year, and then we'll get on out of here. Final so, war corner of the year. Oh man. All right. We have a lot of questions tonight, so we're gonna fly through these as quickly as possible. Panda of Chaos writes in and says, "If Bungie were to ever bring back strike-specific loot, what loot would you want?" One piece of loot per class, so all three pieces can drop from one strike boss, or a piece for each class from different strike bosses. Uh, give me one piece of loot per class from the same boss. Yeah, I agree. It felt real bad doing shit in Destiny 1, where like I would get something from the Scion Flare strike, but my teammates wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you this, okay? Not that it's strike-specific, but when you have the lingering awfulness of Fabian strategy as your uh, exotic... You want to um, not experience anything like that again. So I agree with Josh. Not that that's a strike-specific anything, but uh, for those who don't know, that was the uh, Titan-specific shotgun, uh, exotic shotgun in Destiny 1, and it was terrible. So. It's a little frustrating. Um, But I I like the idea of being able to earn stuff themed to those bosses. I really like that, especially if you're going to do if you're doing reworks for some of these strikes, this would be a great time to implement that. Yeah. I think there's yeah, a lot of cool sure. stuff you could do, but like, I mean, for some of these, it may have to be as simple as like class items. And with transmog, that's I don't think that's a problem. Right. That's, that's fine too. Actually, you know what? Bring back, bring back the exotic class items from destiny one, like find yeah. a way to bring those back and make those. Uh, I would useful. like that. I would really like that. Um, 
Knox writes in again. Great name. I'm gonna call this out every time I see it. Knox, love you, dude. That name of my D and D character. When One I see that, when I see the term Knox, I think of uh, Ease Nine Monstrum Knox, the RPG. That's all. That, that is that is a very deep cut. It is. It's fine. Uh, Knox writes in and says, "I've seen a lot of people recently talking about how a lot of legendary and some exotic primaries don't do enough damage to be effective in high end PVE content." Pointing out autos and pulses in particular. Are you at all worried with the overall nerf to ability uptime coming in Lightfall that most primary options will not be strong enough to be useful in endgame PvE content, with a few exceptions like SMGs and exotic bows? No. no. <laughs> For the reasons we talked about earlier with the ability yeah. uptimes, you were really timely with this yeah. question, actually, because this was yeah. literally like two days before we got that blog post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, significantly less concerned than I am than I was before, but let me tell you something. My SMG was like tickling in a Grandmaster the other night. Yeah. So I'm still concerned about good <laughs> non-exotic weapons. I'm still a little concerned. What, champions <laughs> don't enjoy a good tickle? <laughs> oh, man. We, uh, we, we have uh, the, first, uh, the first two questions from Nitro TJ tonight. There's a witness among us. What do you guys think about it? The Among Us Destiny collaboration. That is on the Among Us Twitter. Uh, I mean, I don't like Destiny crossovers. I think I've been really clear. But if you were going to do one, I feel like this is this is something that's just like goofy fun. I mean, this is similar to the Fall Guys one, right? I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I, in terms of just like how I view it. Yeah, not... just being goofy. Like as long as you're not going to go put Among Us cosmetics in the game. Oh my I guess gosh! I'm okay could you imagine? It. Could you imagine the seasonal cosmetic being just the Among Us bean? I would Everybody. be so mad. Dude, I, I genuinely think I would riot. I, I think they're getting a little too loose with the collaborations, though. Oh, um, the Fall I, Guys one made coming. sense because that and Fortnite are both owned by Epic. That made sense to me. Right. but And man. that would that was a celebrated coming to the Epic Game Store. And then out of left field, we got Assassin's Creed Valhalla last season. I still, season th- I, I still think there's more. Cl- I still think there's going to be probably two major crossovers this year. Oh, and I bet easily. one of them easily. I bet I bet one of them is Horizon. I have an awful feeling that it's Horizon because Burning Shores comes out around the time the new they're gearing up for a new season, and they're both owned by and they're Sony both owned now. by Sony now. Although I think I think Horizon's gear, like that kind of gear, looks more like Destiny than something from Assassin's Creed. I would um, agree. Also, I agree with that. I, we all know my stance. I hate fun. So Among Us, cool. Fine, as long as it doesn't make it like into Destiny, fun. I'm fine. Yeah, if you keep it like Fall Guys, fine. And then Nitro TJ also says, uh, "Dr Pepper is better than Coke, right?" <laughs> no, sir. Dr Pepper sucks. I'm sorry. Dr, Dr. Pepper, Pepper was the most overrated. Dr Pepper was fine when I was 16. Dr Pepper is the most overrated beverage on the planet. Then I developed taste buds in college. What so... beer and alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> no i developed that when i was 17 um i uh i do not like do- dr pepper i legitimately cannot drink any- i'll drink a pepsi before i drink dr pepper that's how bad it is mm. and i hate pepsi i went yeah. through a phase in my life for like six months where i thought pepsi was great i have to say though i'm a big root beer fan i enjoy oof. root beer oof that's rough that's rough. But not like so about not the like, only about the only thing you could say that would maybe go oof more is if you said you like RC Cola. No, 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 not like not like canned root beer, like real root beer, like bottled. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. 
I've never like been a root beer fan. I take a sip of root beer and I just start literally I'll start burping right away. So I don't like it. Yeah. And the aftertaste just does not leave a good taste in my mouth. I'm not uh, sitting here cracking open an A&W, you know. <laughs> Nitro TJ has a third question that he wrote oh, in. Man. He wrote this in today. Uh, he, he wrote the others in yesterday. He wrote this one in today. Do you guys think the prophecy wall in Vow of the Disciple is correct? This is what I went looking for in general chat earlier. So essentially yeah. the, the prophecy wall that you see partway through Vow of the Disciple tells a story. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull the video up real quick where it's not going to play on here. I'm going to pull it up real quick just so I can like accurately say what's happening so we can discuss this. Yeah. He tagged us in this post, didn't he? Uh, I don't think so. My actually. reference for the question for the show tonight. That's oh, why I had to, uh, I had to go looking back for this because you know, we have a great community that wants to discuss everything. Let me let me play this real quick. Okay, so the uh, the va- the prophecy wall, which you see after the caretaker encounter before the jumping puzzle. Okay, so starting on the first row, it reads out as the hive and scorn love the darkness. They worship the witness. The pyramid fleet enter Earth's orbit to stop the guardians. The witness communes with the traveler and drinks its light. The witness kills blank because there's an mm. empty space there. Yeah. So Nitro's question is, do we think what, what just, what do we think of it? What, what do we think about this? I mean, it's pretty, uh, do we think it's correct? It's, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you want to say that that big, uh, death star laser coming from the traveler is the witness drinking the light. That would that would not even be in the top five weirdest things I've seen in this universe. But I think I I mean it may it's a cool theory. I think it's a cool thing. Um, I've heard worse theories. Yeah, I actually I think, do think that I this is this is pretty accurate. The more we talk about it, the more I feel like there's something to this. So let, let's ask the other question. This kind of lines up with what nerd general nerd generalist asked us earlier. Uh, does this hint at somebody dying? Does this hint at a major NPC dying? Oh yeah, for sure. Because I mean, there obviously wouldn't be a symbol for it. Yeah. What if the final symbol is revealed? Like, what if it like updates with Lightfall in that raid? I need somebody to go in instead of doing the campaign. I need you to take one for the team and just like speedrun Caretaker to go to the wall and see if it's changed. Because what if the final symbol is the tra- is the tower? I mean, that would because tower is one of the symbols. Yeah. Or what if it's Ghost? Oh, no. It could be ghost. ghost. There's there's a few other things. Um, I The more I think about the Ghost image, though, of, of him being separated, of mm-hmm. Ghost being separated, and us getting a Puka, because we know there's a Puka Lake, right? I, I, my idea is by the time the final shape is over, I think we're going to get a Puka, and Ghost is... I, I still think the Traveler and the Ghosts are going away. At some point, I no one North cano- can't do I ghost. I think canonically, forever. our ghost would stick around. Yeah, maybe. Just because, I mean, I struggle to think of anything more iconic to the series than the ghosts. Yeah. Like, I feel like everyone knows the ghosts. Yeah. By the way, the uh, generalist ghosts are back up on Amazon in case anybody wants one. They were sold out for a long time. 
Uh, let me get let me our questions pulled back up here. Yeah, this video. I, the more um, I'm watching this video, the more I'm like, maybe maybe there's something to this. Saint fourteen writes in and asks us any advice for soon to be dads. Things you didn't know before that you know now. I'm going to defer this one to Corey because I am not a father. Oh, man. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Any advice anybody gives you, just throw right out the window. I don't care if they're your parents. I don't care if they're your brother or sister who already has kids. Throw out the window. Okay? That's that's my advice to you. My advice to you also is if you're having a child with male genitalia, cover it up unless you want to see the fountain fountain of youth spray in your face. That's 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 a parenting tip for you. Okay. Um they actually make these things called PPTPs that I found out about the other day. And they're specifically for that reason. Um another thing is um prepare to uh just <laughs> I would say sleep w- when you can because you're not gonna get a lot of it. And uh help your partner whenever you can which i was terrible at in the beginning so that's my advice to you as well um but yeah i mean just it's gonna it's gonna be scary it's gonna be messy um diaper changing is not as bad as people say it is i don't i think um just uh you know you're gonna be overly protective for a while that's normal and uh yeah i mean that's that's the advice i have i just uh you know i should call my wife in here wife (laughs) Uh, yeah but you know parenting is is difficult but it's also like one of the best things i think that's ever happened to me personally as someone who like always said i don't want kids i'm too selfish and too into my my own things to ever have kids and like when you know kids came out it kind of changed everything so yeah that's my advice all right this has been parenting with Corey deary yeah also uh be prepared to be uh five to 30 minutes late for everything you plan on doing that is like a nightmare for somebody who is a chronic on timer like me yeah that is literally like one of my worst fears is not being on time to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, I'm not getting, I genuinely get, get low grade panic attacks when I'm late. So uh, thank, thank you for that. Um, Joasis <laughs> asks us, what do you think the significance of all the broken glass in the Lightfall trailers is? Um, that fate is unwritten and that we're going to change our fate that's already the witness is already designated for us right like for people who like the matrix the scene where neo is like the problem is choice that's where i think that's where this is going i think also um there's a couple different meanings i think you can discern from it i I think Corey definitely has the right train of thought um what i thought of when i saw this was um, I took it as in a literal sense, maybe he's like breaking out of, maybe he's not like actually in our dimension at the very beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe what we're seeing is an illusion that's being projected. Yeah. Um, you know, I would recall the scene from the end of the year mission where Aramis is looking at the computer and she sees the witness in the computer screen and she actually looks over her shoulder quickly to see if he's behind her. Like mm-hmm. she's almost being driven more by the fear of him than he, 
than actually him. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. When Callus has been reborn by the Witness, what if the Witness is, like, trapped in some sort of pocket dimension? You know, yeah. we know there's paracausal powers at work because of Elsie's time travel. What if something happened to the Witness to cause him to not be in this dimension currently? Yeah. I'm not saying, like, his universe. Like, what if he's in the literal pocket dimension and just project his consciousness into this universe? Maybe yeah. that's what we're seeing here. I mean, that, um, I think that would make sense, too, right? I mean, that makes total sense. The Especially other thing like... I would say is, like, what if this is, like, shattering shattering what we think we know about the nature of light and darkness of the traveler and the pyramids, the winnower and the gardener. There's mm-hmm. so many duos that you can think that this applies to in the battle between the traveler and the witness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it, shattering the illusion of what we've been built up to think for eight years could be part of that. Yeah. Uh, very excited. We'll have our answer in a couple of days. We, we will have Maybe. an answer. And then we have two final questions tonight, both from Zao Ambrosia. Yeah. Since we got the subclass-themed armors in Eververse, do you think we'll also get a strand one? Yes. Yes, but we need a stasis one first. I I think... Here's if my they ever theory. stop doing crossovers, we'll get them. <laughs> here's my theory. We'll get strand next season. As part of like yeah. the, I think it's actually going to probably be part of the, uh, that the 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 armor that you see in all the trailers and stuff. I think is the strand armor. Actually, so that's that's the expansion armor. That's like the destination set. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think you're going to get actual strand armor with like the armor you effects think? going on. Yeah. You think? If you get that, that's going to 100 percent be an eververse purchase. Yeah. But my theory is that they're going to actually. I think there's enough people out there calling for them to kind of adjust how we get stasis stuff uh, to the point where I think they're going to do some sort of rework. And by the third season, uh, stasis will be kind of fixed to where you can just get the stuff without having to do all of the extra campaign stuff. And then uh, you'll get it in that third season. I'm predicting Mm -hmm. because I still think there's going to be a crossover season in that second season. I hope you're wrong. I kind of am too, but you know, you know how you know Josh. <laughs> I do unfortunately know. know. And then uh the final question that we get from him is a non-destiny related question. Top 5 comedies. Top 5 comedies. I mean, I'll 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 take uh, I guess I'll take uh take this one. Uh I gotta go. I gotta go. Blazing Saddles has got to be in there. I got. I got to represent Mel Brooks somehow. I've got Back to the Future. Yes, Back to the Future is a comedy. Um. Oh man, this actually may be harder than I thought it was. I'm gonna go Forty Year Old Virgin. That's a good one. It's a fucking great movie. I'm gonna go Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That may be my favorite Jason Segel performance. I love that movie so much. Russell Brand and Jason Siegel are so ridiculously hilarious in that movie. Yeah, dude, that movie's awesome. Uh, it was like for like that maybe like eighteen month span where we were like, hey, maybe Russell Brand isn't a, a complete fucking weirdo. Wow. Little did Eight, we know, eighteen months. You're giving him that long. <laughs> I'm giving him that long. I'm giving he 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 had us all fooled there for a little bit in America. The UK friends were like, oh god, no, we hate this guy. Um. My last one, I mean, it's not like a particularly like notable one, but I really fucking love Dodgeball. 
also a good one. I think Dodgeball is low-key one of the most underappreciated comedies of, like, the last 20 years. That movie's 20 years old this year, by the way. That's gross. Yeah. Do you feel old? I saw that in the fifth grade. Dude, I felt old when my nephew said that he was playing a retro game and it was on Xbox 360, okay? Ooh! Ooh! <laughs> Oof! I felt that in my soul. My, Halo, uh, my Halo 3 is a... Halo yeah, my stepsister was like, have you ever played this old game called Skyrim? And I was like, oh! Oh my god. Oh! She, my stepsister was like four or five when this game came out, at best. Uh, man, this is the second time this week I talked about retro games. Last night we had we had Ash said hi on the Boss Rush podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about retro games and what defines retro, and then we all figured out that we all just feel old because people younger than us are saying like the Wii is retro and all these other by like literal definition that generation is now i know that pains my soul i, I remember know. when i first realized that halo 2 was thought of as a retro game and i was like oh god it was like the ultimate the future is now old man mm-hmm. moment for me when people yeah. considered halo 2 and 3 to be retro i know god. uh cory top five comedies uh all right so anchorman He's oh on that list god anchorman is so good yep anchorman's on that list for me uh i actually really love Step Brothers. also for i and the funny thing is i'm not even like a huge will ferrell fan i just really Same. like those two movies uh specifically <laughs> um let's see what else i was really into uh ted for a while <laughs> that movie <laughs> Okay, Ted is, I can't put Ted on my list, but it's on my most quotable list, purely because of the Thunder Buddies song. Yeah. Yeah, man, Thunder Buddies, that's so funny. Oh my um, god, now it's stuck in my head. That's oh, yep. gonna be great. Uh, Happy Gilmore is on that list for me. Fair, fair. And, uh, you know what, Josh? <sighs> gotta, give, gotta give Mel Brooks some love. Uh, Spaceballs. Yeah, Spaceballs would be my honorable mention. I, I have two honorable mentions. It's got to be Spaceballs. Again, probably the most quotable comedy of all time for me. Yeah. Um, there was a time where I legitimately knew every single joke from that movie by heart. Mm-hmm. My parent, my dad was like secretly proud of me because he's the one who introduced me to it. My grandparents were less than thrilled that uh, my favorite line from the movie was, uh, fuck, even in the future, nothing works. <laughs> um but also just like the little the nuances that you pick up every time that you watch it like yeah. that the colonel's name is sanders yeah and they so okay. rick moranis is just is this rick moranis's best movie it's close is I, that I, a fair question to ask i mean it might be i mean what are you gonna pick honey i shrunk the kids ghostbusters yeah i'm not a big ghostbusters guy though. he's not great in ghostbusters though in my opinion yeah like you watch Ghostbusters for Billy Murray, Billy for Bill Murray, <laughs> William Murray. <laughs> you watch, yeah, William Henry the Fourth Murray. Um, my other honorable mention would be: I know we just said we don't, we're neither one of us are huge fans of Will Ferrell. I got two honorable Will Ferrell mentions, and it's Elf, which is like my favorite Christmas movie. Ever. I hate Elf. I, hate I that fucking movie so love much. Elf. You shut your whore mouth. I know I'm in the minority of that, but I I hate that movie. <laughs> I love that movie, and I I unashamedly love Talladega Nights. Man, what a fucking great movie! 
Talladega Nights, man. Oh, man. D- John C. Riley might secretly be the best part of that movie. Yeah. We go together like cocaine and waffles. <laughs> no, no. I uh, like my Jesus in an all-angel band. <laughs> I, I, I like my Jesus him in a tuxedo. With, with angel wings singing lead <laughs> vocals for Leonard Skinner, and I'm in the front row. Hammer drunk. <laughs> Again, it's it's one of them. I'm 12 year olds, but I'll beat your ass. (laughs) Chip, I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. Hey, man, you want to play G.I. Joe's? Oh, yeah, man, that sounds great. No, you stole my life. Great. great. I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew. I'm still in my dirty pee pants. (laughs) It's It's such a juvenile movie, but I think that's part. Like, it's in that, that. era of movies that probably wouldn't get made today oh yeah probably it was like because i mean it, a judd apatow produced movie like right that was like that was right around the time that that was like him and um adam mckay like made a bunch of movies at the same time that were all similar like th- they did Step Brothers, they did 40 year old virgin they did knocked up anchorman mm-hmm. uh talladega nights like all of those all came out around the same time right right yeah and it's like I feel like the raunchy movie passed. Like yeah. the last true. Okay, I keep revising my list. I have to kick something off because I would be. I oh. have to bring up Judd Apatow's masterpiece. I have not mentioned Pineapple Express, mm. Mm. which legitimately might be the single funniest movie of the twenty first century. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I have two. I have two. Or we found out James Franco was a sex predator, but it's still a great movie. Oh man! Okay, what what are, what are your two? two. And then we're gonna go into lore corner. Tommy Boy. Ooh, great choice. Great, great movie choice. And super bad. Okay, so we have to mention super bad as part of it. I am not, and I think it's because of when I saw it. Not a huge fan of super bad. I was not. I was right about the target age for it. But it didn't hit with me. The Jump Street reboot did what Superbad did for people who were like three oh years old. Dude, the, the Jump Street movies are better than any better, way better than they have. Gen- any Channing movie. Tatum is genuinely fucking hilarious. Yeah, and yeah. it's when Jonah Hill was still fat. Yeah, which made it's it great. <laughs> it's great. The just the scene of them uh, when they have to try the drugs and it goes fuck yeah motherfucker is great. <laughs> Dave Franco and Rob uh, Rob Riggle are actually like kind of great, low key. Oh, Brie Larson. So the first thing I remember seeing Brie Larson in. Yeah, Brie Larson is the love interest in this movie. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Twenty two was not nearly as good. I still long for the day that they do the Men in Black crossover that they talked about doing. Man, that would have been cool. Could you imagine Tommy Lee Jones having to do a movie with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill in oh character God. from Jump Street? Oh my gosh. <sighs> Could we have gotten Ice Cube as the head of MIB? Could him and Rip Torn have been in the same room together? <laughs> well, Rip Torn died. So. I mean, listen, anything's possible. So who's it? Who is it generation. now? It's it's Liam or it's uh uh what's his face? Chris uh, God, Qui-Gon Jinn. Liam Neeson? Yeah. God, Ugh. I almost said Liam Hemsworth. I'm like, I never I never watched the, the fourth Men in Black, so I can Me neither inform nor deny this. Me neither, but I could totally see uh, Liam Neeson being. I'd be okay <laughs> with that. I, I would watch that. Yeah. Well, Corey, let's do our final lore corner of the year. Lore corner, everybody. 
<sighs> All right. It's the Spirit of the War Mine. This is, uh, I actually, I don't think I read this, but I nearly did um, about two months ago. And then I quickly realized that this ship was not, in fact, in the game. And I'm glad that I didn't read it because Spirit of the Warmind is the ship you get for finishing the end of season mission. Hmm. So really glad I didn't go spoiling anything here. Yeah, good job, Josh. The Warmind is a machine. Even through a hollow projector, Kaido's voice echoes with authority. Savala can't tell if she's asking a question or making a statement. Yes, Savala replies as he rises from his desk to look out over the last city. And... And you entrust it with the command of vast military resources, the Empress continues. Orbital artillery, an arsenal of highly advanced ordnance, coordination of gunship deployments and forward operating bases. That is what Rasputin was designed to do. Some things cannot be designed. Kaida lowers her eyes. A warrior's spirit is forged by more than strategy and intelligence. One must bleed before spilling another's blood. The true warrior knows that victory comes at a cost, and how much is lost in defeat. She raises her eyes to Savala again. Do you believe your war mind can understand such things? I do, he replies to his own surprise. He turns away from the window to face the hollow projector. I didn't always trust Rasputin. I used to think we were all numbers in his ledger, nothing more than a cold calculation. Savala leans against his desk, his eyes sweeping across the myriad scouting reports and communiques glittering its surface. But now, I see the enormity of his task, the weight of ensuring humanity's survival, the losses he's suffered himself. Kaido tilts her head. You see a kindred spirit. I see an old warrior doing his best, Zavala admits quietly, and that will always earn my trust. Nothing really, like, super important here for War Corner, right? But... Yeah, I feel that it's really important for us to read this, knowing that, you know, especially with Rasputin gone, that this is ultimately how Zavala comes to see him. I mean, if you if we remember back to how he felt about him during Worthy, he didn't trust him to shoot down the Almighty over the city. Right. Zavala was trying to enact his own plan. He didn't want to trust Rasputin. And then after that, remember how quickly he did a 180? He was like, nope, he's earned my trust. And consequently, we learned that that's part of why Rasputin is okay with doing the abhorrent and imperative about stopping it is because he's entrusting humanity's protection to the guardians themselves. The guardians have finally earned his trust after all these years. This war piece is kind of a fitting bow on that corner of the destiny universe. Mm -hmm. We're going to dig up a little bit more on the war mine later on this year. I'm sure when we do uh, wrath, the machine, but for right now, that's as good of a place as any, I think, to leave the story of Rasputin behind. Yeah. Man. What and a, with what that. A, what a powerful end to Rasputin. Powerful end to Rasputin. I mean, again, we, we talk about how good the mission was. Props to the cinematics team and the writing team. Yeah. Uh, for who scripted this, because, damn. Um, it's very, if it's not clear to you already, like, Plunder was an anomaly in terms of the storyline even though we still got really good cutscenes there that's an anomaly in terms of a season and i again like worthy i think there's going to ultimately be a purpose for everything that we saw no matter how bad because the lore behind it was still really good mm -hmm. the lore in these seasons has been super good like we talked we've talked about it at length but you go back even to the storyline and hunt like the mission the wrathborn hunt sucked 
but the storyline of crow getting crow away from spider and him embracing the light to the point where he's ready to die if he has to fighting the celibate he's just thankful to have met the guardian and seeing how these characters evolve and how these stories play out and stack on top of each other this is how you do seasonal storytelling and there's a reason why destiny does it so much better than any other game that's attempted it and it's because of the narrative we may be frustrated with the activities we may be frustrated with needing to revamp modes i may sit here and complain about the lack of pvp maps and the lack of care for gambit and this and that but damn you don't think crow is you don't think they're preparing crow to die do you no not at all if anything i would almost say that crow is the one guaranteed to make it out of this saga as the leader of the next generation yeah to bring to go through all this to bring him back have him come to terms with who he is and then kill him off would be a shame it would be a complete character arc but it would be a damn shame i honestly think that he's gonna have to watch because he has no connection really to mara He's going to have to watch Mara, and I think Mara sacrifices herself to save the Guardians, ultimately. Yeah. I think Mara's sacrifice is still good. That, this is my final, my final musings before we get out of here. This episode's already gone very long. What if the witness kills Mara? I mean, that would make sense. I feel like everybody sit. I'm going to let everyone sit on that one. I'm going to let everyone sit on it, just for right now. I don't, I don't want to speculate. We're five days away. What if that's who it's talking about? Because she is an entity that... It, the that's a phrase you probably shouldn't be using with Mara with our Discord. <laughs> Sit on it. I hate you. Corey, <laughs> please get us out of here. I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening to this episode of Tower Casuals. Uh, Josh, as always, thank you for your time tonight. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me in the Discord hanging out screen name finn and you can find me on twitter at josh underscore finn two ends we're doing a lot of destiny a lot of destiny a lot of destiny in the coming weeks guys it's time prepare for lightfall everybody you can find me at i am cory hd on twitter and instagram you can follow us at tower casuals on all social media platforms i'm thank everybody for watching and listening until next time we love you goodbye